Buenos días. ¿Qué pasó? Uh, praise the Lord. Hi, Monica. I can say hi to you. <laughs> It's good to see everybody this morning. I believe Jimmy sneaked in the back door there. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> yeah, you're all in trouble when your pastor knows your first name. <laughs> Wait till I add your middle name in there with it too. Sound like your mama. <laughs> good morning, everybody. Glad to see you today. We're going to have a really, really good service today. It's, uh, I believe it's going to be something special to all of us. And uh, we'll, uh, like I was just saying a minute ago, we're going to rock and roll with Jesus. <laughs> a couple of things coming up. Next Sunday, the topic is, is healing for today, part two. We did, you know, part last month. Like I said earlier, we'll do one part each month from time to time on that topic until we're through doing that. What else is there about next Sunday too that's special? Leap ahead. That means instead of being at church at 10.30, you get to be here at 10 a.m. Central Daylight Savings Time. So go for it. Don't forget it. Remember it. Remember it. We're going to write it on the back of your, your hand to help you out a little bit. Spring ahead. And Wednesday nights, of course, we're doing our covenant series, so we're continuing that topic. We'll be wrapping it up in just a few more weeks. So uh, Pastor Kelly's going to be teaching that the next two weeks. So you have a very special privilege there, the man in the blue shirt there. So praise God. Okay. Today, do you see this is the topic. Do you see this? Israel's been in trouble for some time, okay? They have fallen increasingly behind in what they're supposed to be doing. And, of course, Israel and Judah are separated, Judah being um, the more spiritual ones, if I could say it that way. But they're also following the same downfalls that Israel had. And so uh, we look into a very dark time in biblical history It's time for Judah to receive what they've done. Now, setting this up for you, this is about the 7th century B.C., okay? Uh, it's the end of Isaiah's ministry. It's uh, Jeremiah is in his 60s. And then Ezekiel is a young guy. He has been preparing for the priesthood, which, of course, you can't be a priest till you're 30, And just in that time frame, God calls him to be a prophet. So you have Isaiah, you've got Jeremiah, you've got Ezekiel. Uh, and then right after that follows the ministry of Daniel. So those are the all the, the major prophets, some people call them. 
what was it? I heard Jerry Savelle say one time, he says, well, the minor prophets, any of them could slap you upside the head and knock you down. But <laughs> anyway, the, the five prophets there, and this is Ezekiel. We talked a couple of months ago about the revival of Ezekiel and the dry bones. Okay, you remember that one, Ralph? Well, we're going to get around to that today in a little different perspective. Um, let's go back to the book of Ezekiel. Right now we can say, as we started out, there's one word to describe what he's saying. It's called destruction. Why? Because of idolatry. What happens when the light enters a dark room? This is really deep, I know, come on. It lights up. And when the light leaves that same room, it gets dark. I know this is really deep here. <laughs> but that's typical of spiritual understanding. That when it's dark, that means that the Lord's not there in his uh, known presence. Okay? It means that the people's heart is hard. The people's heart is not wanting and loving and caring for God, not wanting to go deeper with the Lord, but wanting to do a different God basically called themselves. And when you start doing that, of course, the whole society starts to fall. Let's take a look at the word. Okay, the NIV says um, that this, <laughs> if you could put a sweet title on it, and the NIV does, they just add that in there. But the... Um, the, the topical heading is, the end has come. Doesn't that sound lovely? Everybody smile and say, yeah, the end's coming, man. <laughs> okay. Now, as we read this, we put ourselves in the place of the people of Judah and what they hear coming from the mouth of the Lord. Uh, J Judah, again, are several of the tribes that have pulled away, so to speak, or that didn't fall away, whichever you way you want to look at it. But they still haven't been following the ministry of the Lord, and especially in these last couple of decades. So we're going to read some out of uh, Ezekiel chapter 7 this morning. Ezekiel chapter 7. My question to you is, putting yourself in the place of those people at that time, do you see this? Is there something that you can pull out of this that you may be able to relate to something else that may be going on? Ezekiel 7.1, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, this is what the sovereign Lord says to the land of Israel. The end. Well, that's a nice way to start off, isn't it? It made his ministry grow, <laughs> flourish and bloom immediately. The end has come upon the four corners of the land. The end is now upon you, and I will unleash my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. I will not look at you with pity, I will not spare you. I will surely repay you for your conduct and for the detestable practices among you. You want to make sure they heard that one, okay? He repeated himself. Then will you know that I am the Lord. Verse 5. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Disaster. Unheard of disaster. It comes. The end has come. The end has come. It has roused itself against you. 
See, it comes. Doom has come over you upon you who dwell in the land. The time has come. The day is near. There is panic, not joy on the mountains. I'm about to pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. I will not look on you with pity. I will not spare you. I will repay for you for your conduct and for the detestable practices among you. Then you'll know that it is I, the Lord, who strikes you. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but this is pretty serious. Uh-huh. Pretty st- serious. Verse 10. See the day. See it comes. Doom has burst forth. The rod is budded. Arrogance has blossomed. Arrogance has blossomed. Arrogance has blossomed. Violence has arisen. A rod to punish the wicked. None of the people will be left. None of the crowd. None of their wealth. Nothing of value. The time has come. The day has arrived. Let not the buyer rejoice nor the seller grieve, for my wrath is on the whole crowd. The sellers will not recover the property they have sold as long as both buyers and sellers live, for the vision concerning the whole crowd will not be reversed. Because of their sins, not one of them will preserve their life. Do you see this? Verse 14, they have blown the trumpet. They have made all things ready, but no one will go into battle for my wrath is on the whole crowd. Outside is the sword, inside are plague and famine. Is plague kind of like pandemic? Oh, I thought it kind of was, yeah. There in the country will die by the, those in the country will die by the sword. Those in the city will be devoured by famine and plague. The fugitives will escape, will flee to the mountains like doves of the valleys. They will all moan, each for their own sins. Every hand will go limp. Every knee will be wet with urine. That's pretty plain. They will put on sackcloth and be clothed with terror. Every face will be covered with shame and every head will be shaved. They will throw their silver into the streets and their gold will be treated as a thing unclean. Their silver and gold will not be able to deliver them in the days of the Lord's wrath. It will not satisfy their hunger or fill their stomachs. For it has caused them to stumble into sin. They took pride in their beautiful jewelry and used it to make their detestable idols. They made it into vile images. Therefore, I will make it a thing unclean for them. I will give their wealth as a plunder to foreigners. To foreigners? Wealth to foreigners. Hmm. And as loot to the wicked of the earth who will defile it. I will turn my face away from the people and robbers will desecrate the place I treasure. They will enter it and defile it. Now I can make a lot of comments here, but I'm going to leave that up to you this week to read this chapter and just slowly go through it and see the different things that he's unveiled. Why is the Old Testament types and examples for us? God's trying to, to wake us, awaken us. Verse 23, prepare chains. That doesn't sound very good either, does it? For the land is full of bloodshed. Huh. And the city is full of violence. 
Anybody seen the news the last several years? I will bring the most wicked of nations to take possessions of their houses. Hmm, foreigners buying houses. Hmm. I will put an end to the pride, pride, pride of the mighty. And their sanctuaries will be desecrated. When terror comes, they will seek peace in vain. Calamity will, upon calamity will come and rumor upon rumor. They will go searching for a vision from the prophet. Priestly instruction in the law will cease. The counsel of the elders will come to an end. Verse 27. The king will mourn. The prince will be clothed with despair, and the hands of the people of the land will tremble. I will deal with them according to their conduct, and by their own standards I will judge them. Then they will know that I am the Lord. My, my, my. Do you see this? Can you take these things and tie them into things that are going on in the earth today? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it's written for us to read and understand what can happen. And it is written to us that we don't fall into the same trap that they did with their own sins. But still we see things happening today that are seriously a shame to the church in America and to the country of America, as well as other places. I wanted to bring out a few thoughts from a good source. Let's look at the statistics. There are plenty. According to the nonprofit advocacy group, Mental Health America, 2023 report, which is based on 2020 data, 11.5% of American kids aged from 12 to 17 are, quote, experiencing depression that is severely impairing their ability to function, while 16.4% report suffering from at least one major depressive episode in the past year. This is a problem that is getting worse over time. According to the office practicum, there was a 27% in anxiety and a 24% increase in depression between 2016 and 2019 in this teenage group. See, this is pre-COVID. And it didn't get better in COVID. It got a lot worse. The CDC has some startling data on the mental health of children among those aged 3 to 17 the rates of diagnosis for the following conditions are ADHD, 10%, anxiety, a little over 9, behavioral problems, 9, depression, 4.4. Amazingly, one in six U.S. children aged between 2 and 8 have been diagnosed with a mental, behavioral, or developmental disorder. Here, too, the trend looks terrible. The share of children aged 6 to 17 who have ever been diagnosed with either anxiety or depression has been rising since the early 2000s. These things don't change overnight. They can change fast. 
In this context, no one should have been surprised by the latest YRBS, which is compiled every two years. From surveys of students at a nationally representative sample of public and private high schools, here are some low lights. Between 2011-2021, the year of the most recent survey, the percentage of high school students who experience persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness rose from 28%, which is sad, to 42%. Of those who seriously considered attempting suicide from 16% to 22%, of those who made a suicide plan from 13% to 18%, of those who attempted suicide from 8% to 10%. In 2021, 57% of female students experienced persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness compared with 36% in 2011. Close to 70% of LGBTQ plus lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer, and questioning students experienced persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness during the past year, and more than 50% had poor mental health during the past 30 days. In 2021, 12% of high school students had ever taken prescription pain medicine without a doctor's prescription or direct differently than how a doctor told them to use it. The share of female students who had seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year rose from 19% in 2011 to 30%. The share who had made a suicide plan in the past year rose from 15% to 24%. The share of female students who attempted suicide the past year went up from 10% to 13%. The share of LGBTQ plus teens who attempted suicide in 2021 was 20%. When you realize that according to Gallup, 21% of Gen Z Americans now identifies 21%. Gen Z, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or something else that isn't heterosexual. These last statistics imply a staggering number of suicide attempts. And then, there's only one glitch with this harrowing narrative. The reality is that there is a mental illness epidemic throughout the population. It's not just the kids who are not all right. It goes into the adults. Those are staggering. And we have answers. The Bible has answers. Holy Spirit has answers. We as a church have answers. We as a fellowship and a community have answers. Yet people are slipping through, not the cracks, the trenches. You know, you get on a road, it's got a crack. That's one thing. But if it's got a space that wide in it, it's something else. Uh, get off I-35. <laughs> But we have answers. They, what they say is mental health is also associated with a lack of true a truth or true spiritual life. You know? So rather than run to the Bible or run to someone to help them from a, in a spiritual standpoint, we have young people and adults 
They're running to drugs. They're running to new forms of sexual identity. Y'all know what I think about that. I feel for those kids. We should. We should have compassion. But we've got answers. All teenagers are trying to experience their sexual identity. All teenagers are trying to figure out their moral activity, their life. All teenagers are trying to figure out what is intimacy. That's normal. It's not weird. It's normal. You did it. <laughs> Last century. <laughs> and a few of you have not quite arrived there yet, so. Do you see this? Do you see that idolatry is not just doing what we would consider evil things? Idolatry is the absence of God. That is all it takes, leaving God outside of your heart instead of enthroned in the middle of your heart. Because if you're not serving God and following his best will for you, then you're experiencing idolatry because you're replacing it with something else. Every car's got to have an engine. What happens when a society does the same thing? Okay? Would you agree that this is a pretty bad world today? <laughs> maybe, just maybe, we're experiencing some of this or something like this. Some would say that we are currently under the judgment of God. And I believe it, the removal of God or the absence of light puts the opportunity for people's evil hearts to be blinded to the one who operates in the darkness with them. We're in a spiritual war. There's God and there's evil, there's light, there's darkness. Jesus is the light that comes into the darkness. And you know what I'm talking about with a real conversion to Christianity. When your heart is stone cold and you realize it is, you realize that your heart needs help. Then when Jesus comes in and you're genuinely born again, the old is gone. Behold, all things are made new. If Christ is in any person, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. All things have gone. All the old's gone. Are things made perfect? No. It's just that you have the Lord of the universe to walk with. You have the Lord. He said, I will walk with you. I will talk with you. I will be your God. You will be my people. The family of God has light. We've got light bulbs all over the place, praise God. <laughs> Why? To see that your understanding will be made alive. That when you focus on something, you'll see more than what the black letters on the white paper are. You'll see the meaning, the understanding behind it so that you can have the discernment to walk in to say, this is God or this is not. This is what I want to do or this is not what I want to do. So important that we let the light enter our hearts and our minds. And I'm not talking about some metaphysical thing just way out there. I'm talking about the light of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the truth of God's word. 
I'm talking about what's been proven over millennials of time to be truth. The people in the Old Testament did not have the opportunity to be born again. They had an opportunity to serve God, but it was through works and through rituals. Today we have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to actually come and live inside of us and to lead us, guide us, teach us, and train us. We have an opportunity to know God individually. We don't have to go through a priest who does a bunch of ritual stuff just to be able to hear from God and then shares that with the people. But we have the opportunity to walk with him, talk with him. He'll be our God, my Lord, my Savior, my God. And that personal experience with him is not only needed for you and your loved ones and your family, but it's needed for everybody that has breath in their lungs. Our country is shrinking into darkness. And anybody that's stood back and looked at that, that's not a, didn't take a lot of understanding and spirituality to see that. It's happened before though. It's kind of like, but God, <laughs> but God, where does it get to the point where we as people want to get back and have the relationship with him and want to serve him and want to love him and let him show us what's good for us and what is not good for us. We need to look in the light. Remember, God says that he does not change. Well, just to prove that, he also has brought revival. Many times has he brought revival in biblical history and since then. Many times have the hearts of men and women been opened because the Holy Spirit has been poured out and he's, he's made an individual relationship, companionship with people whose hearts were reaching out to him. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. The devil will flee. Don't spend your time on the devil. Just enjoy your walk with God. That's what it's all about. Ezekiel chapter 47 We've, we go forward 20 years now, 20 years. Now, what's so special about 20 years? Well, he had to get the people aligned, and he had to bring out some new things. But what can be really said about 20 years? That's not just happenstance that this happened 20 years later. It's not just, okay, well, in 20 years, everything's going to be Okay. I beg your pardon. Hopefully, hopefully, he's not 20 more years downhill. Could be. If America doesn't wake up. If America doesn't bring the heart of God back into their hearts. If America doesn't realize what's going on all around us. Or just go over here and... Hide in a corner. Or maybe pray, God, please, no, no. Thank you, God. Where are we at? Where are we coming from? This is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. 20 years, a new generation came on the scene. Oh, we're going to leave it to the kiddies. Okay, that sounds good. I'll just say, okay, kids, take it. Uh-huh. Yeah, put it off on somebody else. How about the old is gone? 
all things made new. If there's new life in Jesus Christ, then there must be a new generation that's able to go from sea to shining sea. A new generation of people, regardless of their physical age, that are revived with the in-breath of the Holy Spirit coming into them and injecting in them the very life of God, the life of Jesus Christ, the truth of God that will run rampant from California to New York inclusive and all in between it. That's a miracle. I said, that's a miracle. That's the outpouring of a spirit of God and all of those who will come. He will fill. He will change. He will make new. All things new. Not some things. All. Remember, all is the biggest word in the English language. Toto in Spanish. Because it includes everything. And he's given us the opportunity, praise God. Ezekiel 47, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the temple faced east. Remember, just imagine this huge building, the temple. These are temple days, not tabernacle like Moses had. This is permanent. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. That's a little blurry there. I started to make a visual out of it, but I really want to focus on some other things. So what you do this week, when you're reading that, get out your pen and paper and put north, south, east, west, and then just take it one line at a line, a line at a time, and you can see how that works. <laughs> okay. Verse three, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. That's 1,500 feet. And then led me through the water that it was ankle deep, ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through the water that was Knee deep, knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Hmm. Kind of sounds like a pretty good message for a title there. Then he went back to the bank of the river. When I arrived, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. Why is the Dead Sea dead? It doesn't give off. It just takes in salty. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. Folks, this is a pure, clear, plain picture of revival. There will be large numbers of fish. Jesus said, I will make you 
fishers are men, men are fish, because, figuratively, of course, because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Verse 10, people will fish along the shore. They're out spreading the gospel. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Jesus is life. He has a plan for you. <sighs> From En Gedi to En Eglim, there will be places for spreading nets. So this is mass evangelism. The fish will be many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea, but the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Verse 12, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fall or fail. Every month they will bear fruit. Every month they will bear fruit. Yeah, Washington State apples 12 months out of the year. Because the water from the sanctuary, water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Now, this can be tied in very easily to the Garden of Eden, the four rivers there. It can be tied into Revelation 22, talking about the river of life, because it's the same God, the same uh, picture, the same truth. Now, I remember preaching this 30 years ago in a little different way, of course, but I got it from somebody else, stole it from him. It's okay, it's in the Bible. But I've got a different perspective today than I had then. My perspective then, I'm not saying it was wrong. It just wasn't quite complete. And today I'll give you some more ideas to think about. And then 20 years from now, I'll give you some more, okay? So be sure and remind me, if you would, Byron, that 20 years from now. Brother Dan, you said you was going to preach that. Okay, just hear that newest version. The thing was ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and water so deep you couldn't swim in was a type of revival. It was a type of the water, the outpouring of God going out to people, and it, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And a lot of people would say that are revivals of the past and how the revivals of the past you know, were good. The first uh, awakening was good, and it was up to the ankles, and the second awakening took you up to the knees. And, and they would add to it and say, and this one's going to be a river so big, the revival, you won't be able to swim in it. That's how great it's going to be. And I'm with that. I mean, I think that's a beautiful picture. And, and I'm saying that that's cool. It's good. But let's also look at it this way. Let's look at it, a picture of what happened in the temple. The temple was a place where man met God. What came out of the time in the temple with the priest? the high priest, and the, the annual time with God, he had to be so prepared to be able to go into that presence. And what happened to the, the priest, uh, the other priest, the lower priest, the enlisted men, <laughs> women, <laughs> men, <sighs> spending time with God in the sanctuary of your heart, your home, 
spending time with God, getting to know him as he reveals to you more about yourself, more about himself, more about people that you may know, people that you may are going to know. That's what the beauty of it is, is the time with God. Every revival that I've ever read about, people were spending time with God. Sometimes it was only a, one or two people or a handful of people. But they're doing this and they're praying and they're believing God for God for revival. God awaken us. God, turn on the key. And God is saying, okay, let's get a few more. Because if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Ah, yeah, that, that, that's good. That probably ought to be in the Bible someplace. I think Chronicles 7, 14. <laughs> It, it's a time of rejoicing, a time of gladness, a time of refreshing or revival. Now, not everybody's going to receive it. We read that. There's marshes and the place where the water doesn't go because they don't want the water. But the more time that we spend with God as a church in America, the more water's going to be flowing into deeper and deeper places. It all comes from the heart and throne of God. America is so self-sufficient. I'm an independent American. Well, praise God for your freedom. That means you get to spend time with God. Just uh, read a story about a 16-year-old young man in Canada that got arrested because he spoke some true things at his school, a Catholic school, and he's right on with the Bible. Maybe we'll hear about him someday. Folks, I want to stir your hearts. I'm believing for revival. I want to see it. I want to see God do what he's going to do. I want to see God change me. I want to see him change Tim and Cammy. He'll even pick on her on her birthday. He can change every one of us from glory to glory, from faith to faith. That's what's so important. God hasn't given up on us. We've given up on God. I don't need God. I've got my own. Well, just try that at the gates of hell. And you don't have to live that way. You can live successfully. You can live overcomingly. And when the devil comes and says something to you, you say, oh, it's a devil. Get out of here. Yep. You don't have to go, oh, my gosh. Oh, it's a devil. What's he going to do to me this time? Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. He didn't have any choice. He has to. It is written. You know, I, I, I get kind of abused some people, you know, that are, knocking another church or another speaker, somebody, another pastor, evangelist. And a lot of them say, that's that prosperity gospel. Oh, they're evil. Well, how do you find the word prosperity? Money is amoral. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. It's meant to use for your needs. It's seed to the sower, bread to the eater. But... Prosperity is so much more than money. And God has it for us. How about the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, 
peace. Who would like an extra dose of peace today? Yes, amen and amen. Ah, Long-suffering. That's what the King Jimmy says. Long-suffering. W.E. Vines defines that as patience with regards to antagonistic people. If somebody comes up to you and says something you don't like, you ready to smack them in the face or are you ready to love them to likeness? Man, I tell you what, you ought to, you ought to preach it sometimes and just, ah, they throw eggs at you, you know. I'm going to put you in the hospital if you don't shut up, you know, all that kind of stuff. Make my day. Jesus said we're going to be persecuted. There's no doubt about it. But we can walk through it triumphantly. It doesn't have to scare us. It doesn't have to uh, come against us where we have fear. We just say, ha, it's the devil. But we need to be active in our Christian faith and our belief in the Bible and what God says. And look at the stories like this one in Ezekiel 47 that give us keys to revival, keys to what Jesus wants. God doesn't want anybody to, to be lost. He wants everyone to become saved and come to the fullness of the truth. Not just part of it, all of it. God wants to prosper you in your life. And you'll have your needs met. There's no doubt about it. God will make your financial needs. But there's so much more than that. You know, some people think a financial need is five new cars or they think it's, you know, 74 new dresses and shoes and hats. I know a woman that one time, well, she's, um, she never wore the same dress twice to a party. Never. Well, if you've got the money, that's what, you know, you've, Supposed to do with it, okay, I'm not going to knock it. But it sure was good for my sister-in-law to be able to know her so that when she went to a party, she you borrow one of those dresses. <laughs> That's prosperity, is having the best and not having to pay for it. <laughs> you take it dry, clean, and give it back to her. Say, thank you. Next week, I need this one. <laughs> That's prosperity. You know, we get so tied up and looking at what we don't have, we need to look at what we do have. How would Mother Teresa be able to go into Calcutta, India, the dirtiest, stinkiest place on the planet, and say, well, we're going to get this done. We're going to get this taken care of. We're going to get people helped. It wasn't because she had a lot of money. <laughs> a nun? Vow <laughs> of poverty? But you know what? God changed so many lives there. Brought them out of darkness, Hinduism, and hopefully into the newness of life in Jesus Christ. What is the answer to the sick body of Christ and our deathly ill community? What can I do as an individual? What can you do as an individual? Let's see what else the Lord has to say about it. Remember, God wants to make a new generation, a generation that's ready for God, that's hungry for God. Do you see this? He gave these people the key to revival. And do you realize that they as a people never stuck the key of earth into the lock of heaven? Whatsoever you bind on earth, 
we bound in heaven. Come, will the Father be established in earth as it is in heaven. We have a key to the lock that has all the treasures of heaven. That's what we have the opportunity to utilize in our lives. Instead, we're over here, man, I need this and I need that. And I, I, I don't, God, will you do this? You will do that. I know that some people struggle, struggle with a lot of things. Some people struggle with, you know, known sin. Others just struggle with not having what they need at that particular time. There will be struggles in life. My granddaughter had her vehicle stolen the other day in the morning and her husband saw what was happening, jumped in his and went after him. A couple of teenage boys, they didn't get very far, but they jumped out of it and ran on. And he, he, he had to jump in the car that they left to drive and stop it. Uh, you know, quite a harrowing experience that, you know, they didn't exactly deserve. But now, and for the years later, they'll be able to laugh at what the devil tried to do. If he doesn't get your joy, he won't get your goods. The joy of the Lord is my. Amen. He did in the Old Testament what he had to do in order to get Jesus incarnate here on earth. Now he's going to let us here in this life choose if we want to spend life and eternity with him or spend death and eternity with the devil. It's our choice. What about the other people who love, who you love and care about? Will you tell them? Will you take the opportunity when a door is open for somebody to share whatever it is you feel like on your heart you need to share with them? You know, your story? Well, I remember things like that. Or you can say, you know, last week somebody tried to steal my car, but they didn't get away with it. There are all kinds of things that you can share with people that bring interest and bring a hunger to God. You know, to, to go to a, an event and have somebody call you the next morning and say, I've known Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior since I was 16, but I want to know the Jesus you know. Strictly because they were backslidden, they were in a dry church, and they weren't with God like they needed to be. The tabernacle's still there, you know, for those people. But is there any water coming out of it from the time spent with God and as he's pouring out his spirit to all flesh? What about the my generation? And I'm not talking about young people. I'm talking about mature people. The my generation, I have this and I have that and this is my car and this is my house and these are my clothes and this is my business and this is my, 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 my. Well, shoot the my bird. Boom! He's gone. Where is Jesus in the picture? The Lord owns my house. He owns my car. If you have that understanding that he gives you every good and perfect gift, it all comes from him. And you know, when I get a different car, I lay hands on the dashboard and bring it into the ministry. You know what? God protects it. It's, it's not like I'm squalling and bawling and trying, God do this, God do it. No, I don't tell God what to do. I ask him if he'll consider doing certain things. And my faith says I'm supposed to have it because it's in the word of God. So we make the connection. He gets the glory. I get the fun. 
Think spiritually. See, that, that's the word, word repent literally means to think differently, to reconsider, to change your thinking. And when you do, then you'll change your behavior. And when you change your behavior, you're now walking in repentance, a different mindset a different Lord and Savior, a different version. Even a carnal Christian doesn't do that. Carnal Christians need to repent. And don't think you're so spiritual that you don't need to, to, to reconsider, to think differently. Have you ever said anything that was a mistake, a sin? Well, what do you do? Ask God to forgive you and ask him to empower you that you don't do that anymore, you foul mouth thing, you. Get a hold of your mama and get some soap in your mouth. They probably put you in jail for doing that now, I guess. I don't know. But I remember the days, not because I did them and needed soap in my mouth, because I saw the other kids get it, and I didn't want any. Even my gym teacher did that with a boy that used some language that wasn't exactly appropriate. Folks, we have to to cry out to God for revival and see what he says and then take it one step at a time from there. We want to usher in the Holy Spirit so that he is able to do what he wants to do on earth. God will not force you into these things. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will give you revelation when you're looking to him and asking him to show you things. But God will not make you do those things. You are a free will spirit being encapsulated in this body. So do you want to let the Holy Spirit lead you or you want to let this physical body? I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I want this. I want that. Oh, I'm sorry that you're so wounded. And Kelly comes back with, I ain't me, that's my body. <laughs> We have to live above those things. It's, things happen. You get a flat tire. It's not because God doesn't love you. It's not because God says, I'm going to stick a, tire, a nail in his tire today. Or she's going to come out and there's going to be a flat tire there. And he sends the angels on the way to put a nail in your tire. He doesn't do that. But he does say, come to me, all you that are heavy laden. You'll find rest. <laughs> That's my Jesus. That's the one I know is my God, my loving Savior. And I've been on both sides of this thing. I'm not speaking from a holiest more than thou, whatever position. I've been on both sides. I know which one's better. <laughs> By long shot. But we can have that for ourselves and a freshness and a newness. And we can have it for our loved ones, the ones we care for. We can have it for our country that people wake up and start talking sense for a change. It's, all those things are possible. And all those things, we have a part to play in it. There's more power in agreement when we're agreeing on the same things. That's one of the issues in the country today. People can't decide what's right and what's wrong and what I'm going to agree with, so they just get mad at everybody and fuss. That doesn't solve anything. God doesn't change. He will have to clear out 
some of the obstacles and hindrances one way or the other because of our bad behavior. But God doesn't change. He has always brought revival. He has always brought revival. And even if we're in the end times of the end times of the end times, he'll still bring a revival for the people who really want it, for people who really want it. And some people, as I say quite often, everybody needs Jesus. They just don't know it. He wants to do it again. He wants to do it again. You can see the father talking to Jesus on the throne. Let's do that again. Wasn't that great when all those people came to us? Wasn't that great? Holy Spirit, are you ready to pour out? Holy Spirit's going, I'm waiting for the word. I'm waiting for the word. I know that may sound a little silly to you, but I think it's pretty cool. Because God is one in three persons. So he is totally one God, but there is community within the Trinity. I just want to throw that in there for anybody that may think I'm crazy or something. That's okay. I'm a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? The question is, will we use the key of heaven to unlock the lock Excuse me, the key of earth to unlock the lock of heaven, to open the door for the blessings of heaven to come out, and that the water will not just flow from under the threshold in heaven, but they'll flow mightily and greatly, and they'll cover the earth, and the opportunity for revival will go from sea to sea. The opportunity revival revival will go around the earth, around the world, that all nations will be exposed, all nations will be Available to collect. I heard this precious black brother from South Africa talking this morning. I could hardly understand his, his deep uh, draw. And I thought, that's what I'm talking about. In other countries, other side of the earth, other part of the world, all of us made one by the blood of Jesus Christ, made one by the Holy Spirit, made one in the family of God with the things that really count. I'm talking about diversity that's unity. Yeah. Yeah. Not the one the world preaches and all that kind of stuff. The one that Jesus talks about and desires for us. There's nothing that God wanted to do more than to see Judah repent. But he had to work with them. He had to work within their scope. He wanted them to turn back to him. He's wanting right now us to turn to him. He's wanting us to open up the doors like we shared a few weeks ago with Daddy Seymour in the streets of Azusa, 1905, 1906. Like I've shared before, the, the revival of Wales in 04, 05, where they had to retrain the little horses because they no longer used foul language when they gave them commands. And the judges could sit back with their feet propped up on the benches because nobody was getting in trouble, so nobody was being arrested, so his court was empty. He could sit back and drink iced tea and lemonade and enjoy it. We're going to do something a little different today. Of course, you've heard me say that before. Um, we're we're going to take an opportunity, and I want to stay that our minds and hearts are ready for revival. I don't know how God will do it. 
I just pray that he will. And we want to be a part of it. Do you see this? We want to be a part of it. The move of God. We've got room for a few more people to come into this building. Hint, hint. And hear truth, not just some happy, clappy message to take home and, okay, well, I got my fix for this week and I'll run out next week or run out sometime towards the end of the week and I'll get back next time. It's not because I'm so good, because I'm not. It's because God is. And we yield to him and allow him to have his way rather than say, God, here's my program. Would you please bless it? Because what he wants is already blessed. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to watch a video clip. It's just a few minutes long. I think about six or so. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit show us what he's saying to each one of us. And I want you, to, as you're watching, say, Holy Spirit, would you just show me what you want me to see in this video? And then after that, Kelly's going to come up. And we're going to go into time of ministry. We're going to play some worship songs. He's going to pray first, and we're going to do some worship uh, music. And we just want you to be in a heart attitude of revival. And you can stay at that time. He'll tell you. He'll give you instructions again. But we want you to stay in this room as long as you want to today in a spirit of renewal, refreshing, repentance, we have to repent for the world, folks. We have to repent most of all for the church that's lazy. And that may be the guy I look at in the mirror, too. There may be some things that need to come out. Some things that are time robbers. Some things that scheduling fills in. Some things that I wish I would have done that yesterday, but I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow is always today right here. And then those of you that just want to fellowship, we ask you to take it to the lobby. And you can fellowship there as long as you want to all day long. Get caught up in whatever you need to do or encourage somebody. If you want to pray for somebody in here, pray for somebody in here. Ask them first. Is it okay if I pray for you? And if they say yes, then pray for them. If they say no, go find somebody else. Okay? Simple as that. No pressure on anybody to be anything except what you already are and what you need to be. If you need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, grab one of us and we'll be here. Somebody else you know, whatever. We'll be glad to pray with you to make sure that you understand and that you get that opportunity because that's the most important decision that you'll ever be able to make in your life. Now we can help. Well, you said that unless people wanted to, then God can't make them do anything. That's right. That's the reason we pray. We pray that the eyes of their understanding will be open. Okay? That's a good one. We pray for labors to be sent into the harvest fields. That's a good one. And you stand on that. And sometimes people get saved in a week or two, and sometimes they get saved in a decade or two. But stand in faith, and God will unlock that key to their heart. Okay? So if you would, Brad, go ahead and roll it. Wow. We have to learn to stand in the midst of the adversity. Is that right? 
uh, I want us to take this time, as Pastor Dan said, we're going to respond to the message that has been given today. If this message has stirred you in any way or you sense the need to go to the Father regarding it, we're going to have some time of worship and we invite you to stay with us and worship the Lord and make some decisions, pray out some prayers, call out to the Lord, bring uh, your heart to him and open it up. And as David said, pour out your heart before the Lord. And uh, a time of repentance. We don't like to hear repentance, but the Lord spoke to me a few years ago that repentance will one day, once again, become a sweet fragrance to the people of God and to the people in general. And I believe that thoroughly. And, and it's been, been an ugly word for a while. But it is, once again, I believe God is blowing fresh and new upon hearts saying that this is the direction to go. Hallelujah. So the, the altar is open for you to come and worship the Lord. Okay? But no more than that, your heart, let your heart, let your place where you're at be an altar to the Lord. And take some time to worship the Lord. Take some time to pray. Take some time to repent. Take some time to intercede. Everyone say intercede to intercede, to stand in the gap, hallelujah, and make some decisions in your heart about what you're uh, going to stand for and what you won't, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, that young man, he stood up, and he suffered some consequences, I wonder how strong our faith is, how strong we will stand, be like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, when that idol was there, and they had to choose Okay, what they were going to do, and they chose to say, we will not bow. We will not yield. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, before we enter in just a few moments, I want to remind everyone that Daylight Savings Time is next Saturday night, Sunday morning. Okay? We have some birthdays. Brad and Cammie both have birthdays this month. And if there's anyone else, we always say happy birthday to you too. Amen. And then we have a couple of books from The Awe of God by John Bevere. They're available. Okay. And then don't forget to give. Okay. God has given us so much and he would want us to give back to him. Amen. If we give a little, what are we going to receive back? A little. And if we give uh, generously, what are we going to receive back? Generous release back to us. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's stand this morning. Let's stand this morning. And if you have opportunity to be with us, please don't hesitate to stay and, and enjoy his presence. Uh, if you would like to uh, talk to, you know, neighbors or so, uh, someone else in the family of God uh, and you're not talking to the Lord, we ask that you do exit the, this sanctuary and go out into the foyer area and to talk with people and enjoy fellowship outside. I repeat Okay, look at your neighbor and say, if we're going to talk to one another, we will go out into the foyer. All right. All right. So we're going to worship the Lord together and individually at this time. Amen.